You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. Well, we are in a sermon series called The Wonder of Christmas. And it has been a lot of fun. I'm telling you, I have enjoyed already just being able to celebrate Christmas in this, in this manner. And there is, the subject this morning has been sung. We've talked about it. Uh, Scott shared some things are, are about it as well. The idea that the wonder of Christmas is love. Is love. And, and that the greatest gift that's ever been given is the gift of Jesus. And that the message of Christmas is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This is the message of Christmas. Now, we give gifts at Christmas. That's something we do. It's a, a, you know, a tradition. Uh, uh, there's gifts under a tree. There's gifts we give to friends and relatives and family. And it's funny, some of the gifts that we give. In fact, I, I almost sent it to Ken in, in our media department to put on the screen. I was cracking up this morning in my office. It was a last-minute idea. I didn't, I didn't send the information. I didn't think we'd have time. I knew we had baptisms. But it was just the 10 weirdest gifts that somebody will receive this Christmas. Just Google it. It'll crack you up. It's funny. Some of the things that people give at Christmas time. Uh, but but there's, 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 I did find out that the gift that people least like to receive at Christmas is picture frames. Whatever. I, I'm not sure. That must mean like empty picture frames. But there's a lot of things we do at Christmas to give gifts. Some are meaningful. Some are not so meaningful. Sometimes we ask the question, I wonder what they want for Christmas. Or they are just hard to buy a gift for. They, they, they have so much. What do I get this person for Christmas? Could I make a suggestion this morning as we begin this? If you're looking for something to give somebody this Christmas, why don't you give what God gave? Give love. Give what God gave. Give love. For God so loved the world that he what? That he gave. That God gave us the gift of Jesus. And so I want to challenge you this morning with the wonder of Christmas being love because this world is in desperate need of love. It's in desperate need of love. In fact, Jesus said this about the world in the book of Mark, Matthew chapter 24 and verse 12. He said, and because lawlessness will be increased the love of many will grow cold. That's interesting, isn't it? There is a a lot of things that are, the commodity is growing weaker and weaker. I mean, it's harder to get certain things when you go grocery shopping, especially through certain seasons of the past couple of years. We've had a hard time getting certain things, finding certain things. Things seem to run out uh, quicker than they have in the past. Love is a commodity that is desperately needed, and especially it's needed in this Christmas season. In fact, I was talking to a sheriff recently, a local sheriff in our community, who said already, December the 5th of this year, already there is a record number of drug overdoses in Garland County. Already. Five days into December, and we're already setting records for drug overdoses. I I, I would assume suicide is more prevalent in this time of the year. I would assume poverty, stealing, alcohol sales. I'm assuming these things. 
Because the world is in desperate need of love. And so our text this morning, if you've already taken a peek, is 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 comes in between two other chapters, and this is a really simple uh, way to uh, figure things out. 13 comes in between 12 and 14, right? Not hard to figure that out. But there's some significance in that. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 deals with spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 deals with power. And and the real mark of the Spirit-filled life, all of those are dealing with the Spirit-filled life in one way or the other, but the real mark of the Spirit-filled life is, is love. And so if 1 Corinthians chapter 12 speaks about spiritual gifts, and 1 Corinthians chapter 13 speaks about love, and 1 Corinthians chapter 14, the, the theme is power, then when you have love, you know how to use your spiritual gifts with power. And that's what it's all about. It's all about using the gifts that God's given us with the power of the Holy Spirit, but doing that in love. The fact that chapter 13, the love chapter in the Bible, is in between chapters 12 and chapters 14 is not incidental. It's not happenstance. It is strategic. Love is the most important thing. Love this morning is the wonder of Christmas. How great, how great, how great is your love? There has never been, there will never be a love like you, a love so true. You know, we were challenged a moment ago to, to stand in awe of the love of God. We were, we were singing a moment ago that, that, that I'm amazed at your love, that I stand in awe of your love. And as we were singing that, if you were participating in that way, in the way that the song has been written and sung this morning, then maybe you experienced with me a little bit of the wonder of love. It's indescribable. It's, it's incomprehensible. It is indispensable. It is, it's impossible to describe the love of God, how rich, how great. If we, with ink, the ocean filler, were the sky of parchment made, were every stalk on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade, to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. The songwriters describe love in that way. And so this morning, I want to give you three amazing truths about love. First of all, I want to to talk to you about the value of love. What is the value of love? If we go to our text, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we're challenged in the opening verse of this chapter with this. If I speak. So someone is going to speak, and they're going to speak very well. They're going to speak with the tongues of men and the tongues of angels. The first thing I have for you today as far as the value of love is this, that love is greater than oratory. It's greater than speech. It's greater than anything that we could ever say. And I believe what he's saying here when he says, if I don't have love, I am like a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. It's a very unusual way to illustrate this truth. But what is he saying here? I believe he is saying that there is no substitute for love. (laughs) There just isn't. There is no substitute for true love. And sometimes we've heard preachers (laughs) that have the gift of oratory. And and you just know it. 
I mean, I remember growing up, I was called to preach at age 15. And my passion for preaching grew very quickly. And I couldn't hear enough sermons. And I couldn't hear enough tape sermons. And back then, uh, you, you, hear, you buy a sermon tape, right? I must have listened to 20 sermons a week. I was so intrigued to become a great speaker and to be a great orator. And I wanted to speak and the voice fluctuations, and I wanted to get it all just right. And I remember when I was 16 years old, I went to a conference to hear one of my favorite speakers up to that point. He had come to become a great, and in fact, he was a great speaker, and he would be some, a name that some would know uh, in, in this building. And, and I was so, man, just amazed at his abilities, his talents to speak with the tongues of men and angels. His orator was awesome, and I sat there in amazement and took notes and was so blessed. And I remember after he spoke, they, they got up and announced, hey, listen, we're going to extend this, and, and he's going to go to a, a private dining area, and if you're a, a preacher, if you've been called to preach, and you'd like to step out of this room and into that room, and he's going to answer some questions. I thought, what an opportunity to get him outside of the pulpit to ask him some questions and maybe really get to know who he is. So I did. It's a life-changing moment for me. What happened in the next few moments is a big reason how God has developed me today at age 56 all these years. I went to that room and they introduced him and, and, and said uh, he's going to answer questions. And so he stood up in front of this smaller audience in this cafeteria area and he said, do we have any questions? About 60 seconds went by and nobody raised their hands. I mean, everybody was just, I guess, intimidated or wasn't prepared. I had a question. I just didn't want to be the first one to answer. I was 16 years old, you know. I felt kind of awkward. So, but, but, you know me, I've never been too shy, so. Yes, son, what's your question? I said, well, Mr. So-and-so, I said, uh, I, I was just curious. I said, I sometimes struggle as a young preacher in my walk with God. I, I, I have a hard time. I too sleep sometimes over the Bible. And, man, sometimes I just, man, I just press that snooze button way too much. I struggle just in my discipline of my morning devotions, and I was curious if he might have some advice for me. And as soon as I finished my question, he looked at me and he said, that is the stupidest question I've ever heard. Son, if you really loved God, you'd get up and have your devotions, and you'd care enough to get up. He said, I cannot believe anybody would even be stupid enough to ask a question like that. I mean, after all God's done for us, just get up and read your Bible. Next question. Nobody asked another question. I remember leaving that room and thinking, God, I don't want to speak like he speaks and not have love. I'd rather be known for loving people than speaking like he speaks. And I think that's what God is teaching us here. Is that if I speak this way, but I don't have love, the Bible says that I am like noisy gong and a clanging simple and brother noisy gong and sister clanging simple has said enough in our pulpits across this land we need love to speak there is no substitute for love oratory speaking teaching preaching no substitute number two notice it says here that love is also greater than prophecy in verse number two if i have prophetic powers and you know, when you read that, it just, you feel like you almost have to read it like that. You know, if I have prophetic powers, it, it seems that people are intrigued by it. Pro prophecy, right? 
prophetic powers. This is something that we are interested in and we're, 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 we're pulled towards. In fact, if I were to announce today that I'm going to preach a message next week starting on 10 weeks on the end times and prophecy and prophetic powers, or I'm going to speak for the next 10 weeks on love, I think we'd fill that auditorium up way quicker than we fill this one up. People are more interested in knowing what's going to happen, what's going on, what are the end times going to be like, what's the gold ring on the third toe of the beast on the, I mean, and we're all kind of concerned about prophetic powers, and yet Scripture is clear here to say that if I have all these prophetic powers, but I I don't have love, I am nothing, nothing. Sometimes in, in, in my dealing with, with people, I, and my wife and I, we, we, we agree with this when we talk about it. We sense sometimes that there is this, this, this avalanche of, of concern and of, 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 uh, uh, of people contributing to our, uh, to our agenda here at Gospel Light as to we don't do enough of this and we don't say enough about this. And, and most of it has to do with, you know, prophecy or prophetic powers, or these types of things. And and yet, oftentimes we see a lot of bitterness in the lives of, of, of people who want to emphasize something over love. And so the concern there, I think, is valid that, church, we need to ask ourselves this question. I need to ask myself this question. Is there something in my life more important than loving Jesus? And loving others like Jesus. Love is greater than knowledge. Notice it says here, if I understand all mysteries and have all knowledge, but if I don't have love, I am nothing. John Wesley said it like this, all knowledge without love is splendid ignorance. Just let you think about that for a minute. I think that statement may may say enough. Love is is greater than knowledge. Love is greater than faith. And you know, faith is a very important thing, and it's impossible to please God without faith, and you can't know God without faith. But notice what Scripture says here in verse 2, that if I have all faith as to remove mountains, but I have not love. Again, it says I'm nothing. I believe he is saying here, If you say you can remove mountains, but you can't remove malice, what good is it to remove mountains? I mean, our faith is an important part of our lives, but faith without love is nothing. Then he goes on to say this, that love is greater than even giving to the poor. Notice how he puts it here. If I give away all I have... (laughs) It's just everything that I have. You know, some people give money instead of giving love. In fact, that's one one of the things I love about Love Day because you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. And that's a fact. And one of the things I love about Love Day, wasn't it great to hear that today one of our our baptisms was, was brought to Christ through a day here on our campus every other week that we call Love Day. And sponsored by Gethsemane House through the ministry of Gospel Light, for which they are a member of, we are able to have a part in loving others. 
And as we love others, and I've got some pictures from yesterday's love day. I love these pictures. Just yesterday, we gathered on this campus. We gave clothes away with love. We gave haircuts away with love. We gave food away with love. And this little meeting every other week on our campuses is impacting this community, not because people need more pity, but because people need more love. Someone to love them. I've seen parents give material things to their children as a substitute for love. It just doesn't work. It ends up being of no value at all. And I know in in raising our children, I've, I've got the gift of giving. I'd love to give, but I'm thankful that my wife has often reminded me, honey, our kids would much rather spend time with you and just just talk with you and and, and feel your love and know your love and then they would receive any kind of gift from you. Love is so important. Love is greater than martyrdom. Lowness, it says in verse 3, that if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. False religions have their martyrs. We've seen in recent years that somebody is willing to blow themselves up so they can blow somebody else up. And I'm not insinuating that we as God's people should not be willing to die for our faith. We should be willing to die for our faith. But I'm going to tell you what Jesus is looking for is not more people who are willing to die for their faith, but more people who are willing to live for their faith and to show that living by loving. That's what God needs. And, and that's what God's calling us to. And that's what Pilate Moon Offering is all about. And, and most of what we do around here is to show are are living out the Christian life by faith, by loving people. This is the call of God this morning, to give the gift of love. Because love is greater. Its value is greater. Look at these verses again. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. If I give away all that I have, if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I'm nothing. And then I want you to see what love is like. Let's look at it in this passage. Beginning in verse number four, let's talk about the value of love. Or the, excuse me, the virtues of love. What are the virtues of love? What is love like? If we could display love on this platform, what would it look like? If somehow we could give a, 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 a picture of love, what does love look like? Here's what it looks like. Number one, notice it in verse four. Love is patient. Can I say this Christmas season? You're going to need this. Amen. You're going to need this. Love is patient. To say, I do not have enough patience is to say, I don't have much love. The truth is, a lack of patience is a lack of love. If love is patience. But also notice it says that love is kind. It's kind. In verse number four, what is kindness? I think kindness is best defined as this. It's love in the little things. You know, sometimes I think we, at least I do, a lot of times when I say that I mean me because I'm thinking about how I know I've sometimes uh, uh, defined things as, as being bigger and 
better and, you know, more, def- more, more uh, accentuated acts of kindness, you know, things that really make a difference in, in, in a story. But could it be that kindness is best defined in a handshake, a smile, an encouraging word, just something like that? Could it be that kindness is not so much the big things, but it's showing love in the little things? Another word for kindness is the word courtesy. Just being courteous. Just being kind in our daily activities, in our lives. I mean, just yesterday, I had the chance to do a lot in the community, just hanging out and going to different places. And I was just, I had the opportunity to just be kind and, and, and to look for opportunities to say an encouraging word. Uh, Went to Dick's Sporting Goods, and Emily Michaud works there, and I think she works in our children's ministry in the second service. And Emily just walked up to her preacher from behind, and her preacher's wife, and Glorianne, and she just said, Hey, guys, how are you? It's so good to see you today. I'll be in church tomorrow. You say, What's the big deal? Well, can I tell you what the big deal is? It made my day. It made my day just to hear somebody say that. Thank you, Emily. It's amazing the difference we can make. I remember when I was a youth pastor in L.A. And I decided, because I had never taken the time to fix my crooked teeth, that I would get braces. Remember this, honey? So I I got this bright idea, ministry job, just trying to get started. We put all of our savings in a little condo to live in, in L.A., L.A. I mean, L.A., it's enough said. Our our salary for that first year was 18,000 for the year in L.A. So it wasn't like we had a lot of money and I wanted braces. So I went to the orthodontist, and I said to the orthodontist that I would like to get a bid or get a price on my braces. He said, well, we can give you the cheap braces. Now, that's the ones where you get the metal. It's all metal and screws. It'll, it'll you know, I said, is this, is this why they call you brace face if you get the cheap ones? He goes, yeah, that's, that's the brace face price, you know. And it was cheap. I loved it. I said, I'll take it. He's, or you can get the clear braces. These are brand new, just came out. They're amazing. Do you do a lot of speaking? Yeah. Do you, are you before people a lot? Yeah, I am. Well, well, you need to get the clear braces. They're the best. And they cost this much. I was like, whoa, I can't afford these. I surely can't afford these. I'll take the brace face price. So I took the brace face price, you know, all the metal. I was happy. Well, as you know, if you've ever gotten braces or have children that have gotten braces, there's quite a few appointments you go in before you get the braces. I mean, there's all kinds of different things you have to do before you actually sit down for that several two, three hours and get them all put on. And so for these several weeks and even a couple of months, I did all of the pre-op stuff to get, you know, ready for that or whatever they would call it. And I remember how much fun I had during that time. I knew that most of these folks were unchurched and not believers and and I knew I had this little window of opportunity. I remember how much fun I had. I'd come home and tell Carol Ann things like, you know, man, I, I just go in there, tell, always tell a joke. Always tell a corny joke when you walk in. And they know I'm a Christian because it's corny. You know, it's, it's not, nothing dirty, nothing, just all sweet little fun stuff. I had ways to, I, I used to bring them little gifts. I'd go to McDonald's and, and buy, you know, uh, something and share it with everybody. And I, I had so much fun for those two months just, just trying to spread a little love because the world needs love. Isn't there a song, What the World Needs Now is Love? That's true, isn't it? I know it's not in your hymn book, but it's true. Just trying to spread a little love through kindness. Well, the day came to put the braces in. Sit you on that chair, and here goes the process. And I'm, I'm, man, they're tightening things up. And it took quite a long time to get it all done. And 
And they finally screwed that last one in and turned me around and said, smile and see your new look. And I smiled and I screamed. I went, oh, no. They were the clear braces. I couldn't believe it. All I could think about was I can't afford these. And that's the first words out of my mouth. You guys blew it. What do you mean we blew it? I I could only afford the metal braces, the brace face price. You gave me like the Hollywood price. I can't do that. I can't afford that. I told you the silver ones, the metal ones. And she said, I know what you told us. But that's not what the boss told us. He said, make sure to give that sweet little Christian guy the clear braces. He's just too nice to put the metal ones on. (laughs) I thought, man, being kind saved you about (laughs) $3,000. You know, it's interesting. I told that story in years. But I thought, you know, how, how, how exciting is it to see people respond? You know, my wife, my mom, excuse me, used to say when I'd come home, and I was a complainer about getting picked on at school, Mom, this guy pushed me down, or this teacher didn't treat me right, or this person, or that. And I'd complain about every little thing that happened to me, and I'd hear the same thing from my mother every single time. It never changed. It's indelibly printed upon the tables of my mind and heart. Kill him with kindness. That's all she ever said. She never said anything else. That's all she ever said. And so guess what? I've just been spending my life just trying to kill people with kindness. Just be nice. Just be kind. You say, what if they're nice to you? Greater opportunity to spread the love of Jesus. And wasn't our Savior such an amazing example of that? He looked at our unkindness to him, our sin, our rebellion. And he said, you know what? I'm going to do something kind. I'm going to send my son down to this earth. I'm going to let him lay down his life to forgive the sins of mankind. Never a kinder thing done for mankind than Christmas morning. Love is kind. Love does not envy, verse 4. Love is not jealous. You know, jealousy is, is a terrible thing as I see it. Love, love is willing to give credit where credit is due. Love is uh, uh, willing to praise others. And, and, and real love does not think that someone else's gain is your loss. L- love is not jealous. It does not envy. Love does not boast, verse 4. It doesn't boast. It's, 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 it's humble. It is not puffed up. Because love and pride can't dwell in the same heart. True love can say, I am sorry. True love can say, please forgive me. True love can say, I was wrong. Love doesn't boast. Love is not arrogant or rude, verse 4. It's interesting, but in my years of ministry, one of the things that I've heard often as, as I try to put fires out and help people get along, usually I'll hear this from one side or the other. Well... It's just how I am. You know, Pastor Jeremy, it's just, you know, I just tell it like it is. You're going to have to get used to it, you know. And every time I think this, no, that's just an excuse for you to be rude and arrogant. That's what that is. That's all that is. That's your way of saying, you know what, I'm just this way. I'm just rude. I'm just arrogant. And love is not those things. Love does not insist on its own way. Verse 5. Love is unselfish. The Christian, the, the, this Christmas, we have an opportunity to stop 
wanting what we want. And, and, and just be unselfish this Christmas. What an opportunity to be like Christ and to share his love by not insisting on our own way. Real love is not irritable or resentful, verse 5. It doesn't think the worst. It's not paranoid. It doesn't fight back. Real love is, uh, does not rejoice at wrongdoing. This is the virtue of love. And if we were to read all of those passages together, love is patient and kind, does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. It's not irritable. It's not resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. These are the virtues of love. One of the things I'd like to be known for at Gospel Light is when I die is this. You know what? That old boy always finished off on a positive note. So let's do that, shall we? Let's talk about the victory of love. The victory of love. In fact, there's much to say about the difference that love makes. And I think one of the greatest statements in all of the Bible is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse number 8. Love never ends. The NLT says love never stops. The King James says love never fails. Any way you want to say those three words is fine with me. I just love it. I love it, I love it, I love it. That's one of the greatest statements in all of the Word of God. Let's read the rest of the verse. Verse 8, verse 9. Love never, no, love never ends, but prophecies, oh, they'll end. They'll fail. Tongues, they'll cease. Knowledge, it'll pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. It seems as if after he says that love never ends, he wants to make sure that we do not get puffed up about what we know and about what we don't know. In fact, we ought not make a big deal about what we know and what we don't know. Let's be humble about those things and let's love like God loves. Let's focus on love never ends. Love is eternal. It will never pass away. Love is more important than education. Love is more important than talent. Love is more important than money. Love is more important than handsome looks. Love is more important than prophecy. All of these things will pass away. But love never ends. I love it. And you know, if I could, if I could say this after 29 years of pastoring, Here's what I hope I'm, I'm starting to accomplish or we're starting to accomplish as a church that we are famous for two things. The gospel we preach and the love we show. I'm gonna tell you something, church. What we just did this morning in baptizing little Abigail and baptizing Tristan in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit buried with him in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. Church, that is awesome. That's what it's all about, bringing people to Jesus, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and seeing people come to know him. I love it, and I want our church to be known for the gospel we preach, but church also, could we be known for the love that we show? The love that we show. I'd rather somebody leave this auditorium and, and not say, man, I'll tell you what, I, they're, they're smart there, and, and, and boy, they, they sure know what they're talking about, and, and, and they can articulate well, and those are great things, and, and nothing against that, but above that, may we be known on the way home with a guest that comes for the first time. You know, I believe they love you there. 
had a guy walk out of the auditorium this morning. Scott was with me. It was perfect. It was the weirdest thing. We had a little shakeup in the first service, and our security team did an amazing job. We're, we're walking out, and Scott met me in the back, right? And this guy barrels out the back door, visited for the very first time. He'd never been here before. He moved from Little Rock to Hot Springs. He works in the ER at St. Chai Vincent's. And he just, he said, I missed the announcement because I'm going to tell you this. I've never felt so much love in a church as I felt this morning. And I thought, I'm glad that happened this morning. I needed that. I needed something to happen this morning that would fulfill the purpose for which we're even sharing these thoughts this morning. In addition, to, I've, there's many things that we're getting from this, but I think one of the things that I, I really want all of us to, to gather in our thinking is, can you agree with me that there is nothing more important than the gospel we preach and the love that we show? Let me give you four wonders about love as we think about the wonder of love. First of all, Love is the greatest commandment according to, according to the Scriptures. Here's what Jesus said. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great, and this is the first commandment. The second is just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments, just hang it all. Genesis to Revelation. Just hang it all on love. Loving God and loving others. And if that is the greatest commandment, then I wonder what is the greatest sin. I think just common sense would say that if if the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, then the greatest sin would be to fail at the greatest commandment of loving God with all your heart. Love is the greatest commandment. Love is the greatest testimony. Loving people will impact this city more than buildings, sermons, programs, or technology. And I love all those things. I do. I I love the way we've done the building. I mean, somebody came in in here the other day that used to go to Second Baptist like 50 years ago. And they said, man, this place has changed. Wow, the screen is amazing. I love your screen. I love the rock work. And man, the, the house the drummer gets to live in, so cool. And they just went on and on about... All of the technology and the buildings and how nice it looked. And I was thankful for that. But notice what John 13, 35 says. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have great Wi-Fi. It's right there, guys. By this will all men know that you are my disciples if you have great buildings and great infrastructure and, and great orator and, and great staff. No, it's if you have love. I know you've read that. I know you've seen it. I've preached it for years. But every time I say it, it's convicting. Every time. Because this seems to be like prayer. One of the things that slips off the table so quickly, just loving one another. And I have such a desire for there to be a church that people just love each other. Where we don't split hairs over non-essentials. Where we're not fighting over my way or the highway. It's silly. We ought to love one another. This is how the world will know that we are His. It's the greatest testimony we have. We need to sacrificially love. We need to show love. And not because people are lovely. Because they're not always lovely. Amen? Real love is not giving to me what I deserve. Real love is giving to me what I need. (laughs) And that's what the Thanksgiving Day Feast was all about. It was giving people what 
what they needed. It's not what they deserved. It's not, I, I, if we got what we deserved, we'd all end up burning forever in hell. But thank God he gave us what we needed, a substitute. I love Thanksgiving Day Feast. Could I do something just to treat you to something special here because you don't always get to do this. I hope you can hear it decent. I'm going to have them play a minute and a half recording of a gentleman at the Levi Towers, I think it was, or anyway, downtown apartment. He called and he just shared a testimony because love is the greatest testimony. So can I share his testimony with you guys? Listen to this old man talk about how much he appreciates a Thanksgiving meal from Gospel Light. It's cool. Listen. Uh, yes, my name is Charles Moore, and I've got some health issues that uh, needs prayed for. But the reason I called is I wanted to thank the powers that be uh, over these turkey uh, meals. Uh, I live at the Levi Tire Building, and uh, uh, we're modest. We are modest people. And uh, anyhow, my aide and her husband, or excuse me, her boyfriend, um, they have some association with Gospel Light. So there was three meals brought out um, uh, for us and then one from the neighbor. And the meals were wonderful. The turkey was wonderful. The mashed potatoes, dressing, it was all wonderful. And y'all are doing a wonderful work. And I hope God blesses that Gospel Light Baptist Church. I, I, it's evident how much he's blessed it right now. But I, I want him to keep on pour out all blessings on Gospel Light. And uh, y'all have brought me turkey uh, dinner for several years now. It's not just been several one years. time. Several years on my behalf. But um, bless uh, uh, Brother Eric Capisi. All the Eric people Capisi. up there at the church. Hallelujah. And I thank you so much, and, uh, and God bless you. Thank you so much. You got, isn't that great? I don't know how much of that you was able to hear. I know it's a little. But praise God. I got that. I thought, man, that's what it's all about. I love that. I just was so blessed by that voicemail knowing that, that someone received something they needed from a church on Thanksgiving morning, a turkey dinner. You say, Pastor, you make the biggest deal out of the smallest things. <laughs> I know. I just love it. I just love it. I love serving Jesus. I love seeing people affected and impacted by the love of Jesus through his people. Love, number three, is the greatest motivation. I love the fact that I didn't say anything to Scott. And he didn't say anything to me. But God led him to use 2 Corinthians 5.14. For the love of Christ, he mentioned, constrains us and and the translation I'm using this morning says, controls us, the love of Christ. It is the reason why we are motivated to do what we do for Christ because of His love. It is His love that motivates us. It's His love that inspires us. Love so amazing, so divine, it demands my soul, my life, my all. That's what His love does. And I'm sure it motivates you like that as well. Boy, I love John 14, 45 that reminds us, or rather 15, excuse me, that if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Why, why would I keep God's commandments? Because I love him. I'm motivated to do the right things. I'm motivated to serve God. I'm motivated to, to do what he says because I love him. 
Love is a great motivation. It's the motivation that I hope all of our coaches here at Gospel Light Christian School and Champion Christian College, it's the reason I hope you're coaching. Love is the greatest motivation for a coach to coach his team. Love is the greatest motivation for a pastor to pastor his church. Love is the greatest motivation for a teacher to teach your class. Love is the greatest motivation for a, a man to run his business. Love. Love. A love for Jesus. And then finally, and I'm done, love is the greatest confirmation. If you want to know if you're a child of God or not, listen to this. 1 John 3, 14 and 15, the Word of God says, We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. These are very, very powerful scriptures that indicate to all of us here today that you know you are a child of God because you love the brothers. You love the sisters. We love one another. Murder here is not necessarily killing someone, but we already know that if hate abides in our heart, it's just like murder. And Jesus says no murder will will inherit eternal life. May we understand the power of love as a testimony, as a confirmation of even the fact that we are a child of God. And the thing we need to do more than anything else this Christmas season is to receive God's love and to love others. I want you to look with me on the screen real quick at my favorite love passage in all the Bible. It's my favorite. In fact, I've got the word love capitalized every time. Can I read it to you? Maybe you read along with me. It's powerful. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. And this is the love of God. This is This is Christmas. This is the love of God. It was made manifest among us when God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son Jesus on that first Christmas morning. He sent him to be born to die for the forgiveness, for the propitiation of our sins. Beloved, If God so loved us that way, let us also love one another. And so I've inserted into all of your bulletins just a little love assessment. I had someone tell me after the first service as well how how much they appreciated that. And it really inspired me to give it to you as I went through that. And I'll tell you why. Can I be transparent? I was convicted about 10 different times. about some of the things that were on that paper, even things that I know I would, I would, love, I would love to go through it with my wife because I know he, her and I both could identify areas that we could grow in in those 10 things. They kind of poke a little bit. But the idea of the assessment is to then ask yourself the question, this Christmas season, am I loving like God loves? And so maybe I challenge you to take that and, and, and use that this week in your small group or in your personal devotions as we as we talk about the wonder of love. 
maybe you've never experienced that love this morning and, and, and been saved. Maybe you've never been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ and the, the blood he shed at Calvary on that cross because he loved you so much he gave his life that you would have eternal life. If you've never experienced that, you know, oftentimes on Baptism Sunday, I wonder if someone is sitting in the church and they see that and hear the testimony and think, wow, that's, that's what I need to do. I need, I need to make that. I've been putting that off. Well, this morning, you can, you can take care of that. And I would encourage you in just a moment when we stand, whether you're in the balcony or on the main floor, to, to step out. And, 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 and if not, we, we'll, we'll wait after the service, and we'd love to talk with you, but you're welcome to, to pray even in your seats. Accept Christ as your Savior. Cry out to Jesus right where you are. He'll save you. And let somebody know. Don't be ashamed of that decision because it's the greatest decision you'll ever make. Let's pray, shall we? Father, thank you so much for this wonderful family that I call Gospel Light. I love my church family, and I, I'm so grateful today to, to just share the love of God with them and, and to share the impact it's had on my life and the difference it's making even, even today. Oh, Father, may we just fall in love with you. And may this Christmas season be different than anyone before as we begin to discover the wonders of Christmas. Thank you for your love. Thank you, God, for your gift of love in Jesus, Lord, that first Christmas morn in that manger. Thank you for humbling yourself and becoming a man, living a sinless life, and then dying on the cross for all of our sins. Thank you. Father, I pray today that if there's anyone in this building that does not know you as their personal Savior, they've never made you Lord and Savior, God, today, may this be the day they take that step of faith. And I pray for others that we would just be challenged this morning. Thank you again for the gift of love. Lord, I love you. Bless our time together. Thank you for putting your love on the line for us, risking it all to save mankind, including me. In Jesus' name, amen. Shall we stand together?